This is Around the Farm, the show where we talk about all things ag, and I'm your host, Rick Myra. On tap for today is managing your grain marketing decisions and how digital tools can make that easier and more efficient. Today's guest is Brennan Turner, who's the CEO of FarmLead, an online grain marketplace and a farmer himself up in Saskatchewan, Canada. So we're going to dig into that and learn a lot more about him. But first, I do have to ask you, Brennan, rumor has it that you uh, you had a bit of a pro hockey career, which included being drafted by the Chicago Blackhawks. Is, is that rumor true? That is accurate, and the internet will confirm it. You know, we did a little bit of research, and I, I got to I got to fully disclose here. Even though I grew up in the Chicagoland area, I am a Blues fan, so it's it's a little bit painful to be talking to a guy from the Blackhawk organization. You could have been a Blue; that probably would have been better for you. But you know, it's impressive that you got uh, you got to the minors as is. So well done, and uh, you know, I, I assume that up there in Canada, that uh, that that's quite an honor to uh, to have been able to to jump into the minors. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, indeed, I mean, it was a glory days, right? I mean, hockey, hockey was a way of life and, and obviously a significant passion. And, um, you know, maybe the, maybe the Blackhawks didn't want me either because they ended up trading me after my first year of pro into the Ottawa Senators organization. But so I can tell you, I have a lot of friends in Chicago still. Um, we have some people there, uh, from the Farm League team and, uh, you know, have a lot of friends actually on the St. Louis Blues, Jaden Schwartz. And Braden Shen and uh, Kozagger are really, really close friends, family friends uh, to me. Known them my, uh, you know, uh, well, almost two decades basically. So, um, you know, had some fun with uh, the boys and, and the Stanley Cup party this this past summer, and they've been playing pretty well. I mean, uh, the possibility of a repeat here is pretty, pretty high. I think for the Blues. Hard to do in today's NHL, but they are playing well. And I much prefer to talk about the Blues these days than my beloved Chicago Bears because, again, quarterback play plagues us, and we're just terrible all around. So with all that said, I could talk sports all afternoon, but let's jump into grain marketing and uh, and what our listeners are tuning in for. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, you, you went from playing pro hockey and then got back to your ag roots, and, and it's led you all the way here to farm lead. So talk to us a little bit about uh, about what that journey's looked like and, and what that stop in finance has looked like along the way as well. Yeah, so I'm from a small town in east-central Saskatchewan, population about 900 people, probably much like a lot of the listeners. And um, we've been farming there for, for well over 100 years now. Before that, um, the family ancestors, uh, they were farming in, in eastern Europe, and um, and, and Scotland and basically hockey took me to, uh, get an education and an opportunity to go play for Yale university and the Yale Bulldogs there. Um, and, and as mentioned, spent a, a little bit of time in the professional ranks, but after winning a Calder cup, which is in the HL championship, I played one year overseas and, um, that's when the Canadian wheat board was deregulated and, uh, spent some time on, on wall street and, and commodity trade and, so basically saw the ending of the wheat board as kind of potential way to bring the farm up and make it better. And so moved back to Saskatchewan um, to kind of help, I would say, just put some performance metrics and help legitimize some things. And ultimately started doing some grain marketing and uh, starting to build some tools specifically around uh, trying to organize all our different buyer relationships. Um, I mean, today, this year uh, in Saskatchewan, between six families, our, our, our farm uh, seeded just over 52,000 acres, so fairly large size. 
Um, now, given some of the weather challenges and harvest challenges, again, much like many of the listeners, um, we didn't harvest all of that, uh, or uh, we hopefully will be able to soon, but uh, TBD, but um, ultimately started to take over some of these great marketing initiatives and started to build some software and, and more of the grain buys were asking, can you get more of our farmers that we're dealing with onto this tool? And uh, ultimately started to kind of build a team and took on some outside investment. And, and what we're trying to do is make it easier to not only manage some of the current grain buying relationships that you have, but also potentially seek out new ones and, and try to find that best possible deal, whether you're on the buy side or the sell side in one convenient location, be it at your desktop computer or uh, the mobile apps that we, we developed. So we've, we've come a long way, officially turned five in November, 2019. So over that time frame, we've seen just over $2 billion worth of grain successfully negotiated through our platform. Um, today, our user base is North America wide and our farmers represent just over 13% of all North American production of grain, oil, seeds, and pulses. On the buy side, our buyers represent just over 10% of annual demand across the continent. And um, for perspective, 19 out of the top 20 grain buyers in North America have used us to help them buy grain. So, you know, our, our initiative is, is really an admission to help cash grain trade be more efficient and uh, kind of moving some of those relationships uh, to the digital age and into a one simple convenient tool. Hey, you know, the, that upbringing on farm and, uh, and the hard work that was instilled to you there, working on the operation, how, how'd that help you as you prepared to, to take all those steps through that journey and really, uh, really achieve so much in each step in, in terms of a professional playing career, um, the academics at Yale, and, then, uh, and, and in the business world at, on Wall Street as well? It's, it's such a great question because, and, and the answer is something that I share with every new prospective employee that, that comes to, to farm lead, which is you got to work harder than you get paid. Um, on the farm, even though we might do some forward contracting, we're here to talk about grain marketing and, and we might forward sell some things, um, we don't get paid until that crop gets off, right? And so that mentality of working harder than you get paid and, and working essentially before you get paid, I think is really instilled not only in me, but probably a lot of other farmers listening and, 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 and young people coming up that you got to put the work in to see a, um, you know, payback from that. And you could say that that's not necessarily always recognized in, in today's generation or younger generation. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud to say that anything that we've accomplished hasn't been necessarily by luck, but I'm also a firm believer that that luck is a, a function of when preparedness meets opportunity. And so we work hard at what we do on a day-to-day basis here, but, you know, whether it's from, from a professional hockey standpoint, spending four or five, six hours in the gym or on the ice in the off season to get ready for the next year, um, be it cracking the books or even trying to learn something outside of the, the curriculum at Yale university. And today, I mean, even as a, uh, soon to be 33 year old. Um, I'm constantly learning, being you know, new tips, reading something new, constantly challenging the mind. And, and we actually are, are big believers in that growth. And if you show the initiative that you want to improve yourself, um, one of our, our company mandates is that we'll match you dollar for dollar up to a thousand bucks to go develop that new skill set. If you want to go to a, a conference, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll cover you to help you go and, and learn more and develop. And so, between the work ethic, if you show that initiative, you're going to get rewarded for it, not necessarily immediately, but eventually. And I think, you know, I, I have 
multiple examples of that in my life. And um, I think being able to showcase that, showcase those examples and pay it forward is, is um, you know, just a, a good compounding effect. And it's created a, a successful culture here at Farm Lead. Yeah, you know, that's really one of the exciting things about working in ag today is is folks like yourself that uh, that have had that culture instilled in them from agriculture of hard work, of dedication, of, of putting the hours in, um, that have the farm culture but have gone off and they've had those other experiences in business, in, in education, but are now coming back and bringing that le- those learnings back to the farm and seeing how those can be applied to really optimize and improve the operation. It's really an exciting time in agriculture. And, you know, that's really what's led you to, to Farm Lead. So talk to us a little bit about how Farm Lead works and, and how it helps farmers with their marketing decisions. Farmly is an open grain marketplace. Uh, we, you, it's easy to sign up for your account. It's free to do so. And with our, our newest product for, for grain marketing called Combine, spelled with a Y, kind of cheeky, but um, it's about managing your network of trusted relationships, ones that you've potentially developed over years. And so you invite others to the tool, again, free to use, and you can start to organize your dashboard of, of not only maybe their bids, but also bids from, from people that you're not yet connected with kind of around you. And the importance of this is really rooted in being able to organize all the different bid sheets. I mean, maybe we're the anomaly at our operation because we are, as a family, we, we run a, a fairly large farm and there's a lot of different grain buyers that we deal with. But the likelihood that you're going to deal with two, three, probably four, if not more different buyers creates a little bit of a, a challenge in terms of organizing who's maybe got the best bid today. Or on the flip side, if I'm a grain buyer trying to organize for my farmers, in terms of their targets, you know, who should I be potentially talking to? Who, when did I last talk to them? And so it's, it's kind of around digitizing the relationships. Now, that being said, what we also do is try to surface new potential contacts for you to do business with. And whether it's through the, the chat window, directly with the app or, or the desktop website, um, you can just have a discussion about, hey, I'm looking to get this deal done. What kind of terms are you looking for? Negotiate price, basis, quantity, transportation terms, maybe even movement period, right? And then the second piece is you can actually make phone calls directly from the tool. So you knew, you know who's on the other side. You can easily talk to them at kind of any time. And, and probably the most important thing that we, we focus on is that this deal is directly between you and that buyer. You're the one in charge of the conversation. You know exactly who's on the other side. And Farmly does not take a position in this conversation whatsoever. We don't take title of a grain. If you do a contract, we don't necessarily involve ourselves in the logistics um, unless there's an explicit ask, hey, can you help us out here? Uh, but we're very rarely do we do that. And ultimately, again, this is just, this is a conversation and a contract that is established between you and somebody that you've been doing business with for a long time, or as mentioned, somebody that we've, we've surfaced to you as, hey, this is potentially a good new trading partner for you to deal with. And as we've kind of developed over the years, we've seen a lot more interest in some you know, interesting characteristics, so organic and non-GMO or hot topics. But other things like what are the different, different um, grading characteristics that might be in this grain? How is it currently being stored? What kind of unloading system do you have? Things that might make you a bit more of an appealing seller to some of these buyers who are looking to, to find specific type of grain or potentially 
specific types of farmers and operations that they want to do business with. So you know, we want to showcase and promote the different types of, of stewardship on the land. So talking about sustainability factors, um, how you're running your operation. Um, if, you're, if your grain, for example, is on, is on air and whether it, we, we think that ultimately at the end of the day, being able to promote some of these different facets of your operation is a positive thing and, and it should be rewarded in some respects. So um, at the end of the day, we are a grain marketplace. It's digital. We want to help promote Again, the, the efficiencies associated with trying to organize all your trading partners into kind of one simple dashboard and be able to have conversations done kind of anytime, anywhere, go back to those conversations and uh, make it easy to potentially get a deal done on your terms. Brennan, you talked about the the importance of the quality of your grain or the practices with which you're you're growing and 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 harvesting that grain. Talk to us a little bit about how you know digital specifically is is impacting why those factors matter and and what the reward can be for for finding the right buyer or the right uh, the right agreement depending on maybe some some practices that you're applying on farm. So I have three rules when it comes to grain marketing and and this comes from kind of a a portfolio risk management from my my Wall Street trading days. But the first rule is knowing your costs of production. The second rule is knowing the quality of your grain. And then the third rule is knowing when you're going to need cash, basically what's your cash flow position. So we can get into those rules a little bit later, but the second rule I think is, is one of the most important post-harvest rules and, and being able to know and share exactly what type of quality of grain that you're looking for is really important because if you show up to the elevator and hell, I've done this before, you and you have grain that isn't necessarily exactly what you said. It's not necessarily it's not a great situation to be in, right? And and so we say be proactive, be in front of it, know exactly what you have in the bin. Especially you know things like this year where we've got you know potentially some low test weight because of the late planting and and the challenges associated with harvest. Or in some cases we've got disease issues, mycotoxins, and um, if if you get into more of the cereals, we're talking about milling characteristics like falling number and hard, virtuous kernel dynamics, moisture, protein. There's a lot of different characteristics. Germ, potentially, if we're dealing with malt barley, right? But, I mean, for the most part, just knowing the quality of your grain is an important piece. And, and from, the, from the buyer's perspective, being able to see these pieces of information up front immediately answers questions that they're going to ask you anyways. So, essentially, by promoting these, these different characteristics, you're already alleviating some of the conversation that might have to be had, um, and you're providing answers to these buyers up front so they can understand, okay, this is somebody that I do want to deal with, or you know what, I'm still interested in this corn or these beans or this wheat, but I might have to discount it accordingly to, to some of the, the characteristics. Again, low test weight being an example from this year. So um, showcasing this information up front not only is going to save you time because you're not going to take these random phone calls from buyers and saying, Hey, what's your quality? What's it look like? But also saves them time. And it actually augments the relationship because it builds a level of transparency and trust that upon which, you know, a foundation might've existed from a relationship standpoint. So being upfront and honest, it's just a good practice from a trading partner standpoint. And, and we can, we can tell you uh, that literally over 2 million logged events, over the last five years of buyers and sellers going back and forth in negotiations that 
more more often than not, it's about knowing this quality and, and can you get me a picture of the sample? Can do you have a spec sheet? Do you have, you know, are you using a tool that that can tell me some of this information up front? That has been far and away the number one question that are, are asked by buyers. So why not be proactive, showcase this information up front, bushel way, test way, moisture quality, again into the cereal, we're talking about milling characteristics. Maybe disease characteristics, right? What do those bombing toxin levels look like? Um, this information is relevant to these buyers, and sharing it proactively usually benefits you in the long run. You know, it's not like grain marketing was ever the most simple thing that we've had to deal with in agriculture, even going back in the past. And now we've got all these additional things that uh, that we can take into consideration that can help us, that can hurt us. From your perspective, as, as somebody that's living this on a daily basis, you know, when our farmers are thinking about making a grain marketing plan, what types of things should they be considering? Well, as I, as I, I previously mentioned, you got to know about your cost of production because if you can't, if you can't tell yourself where your your break even is, then you're you're already a step behind. As mentioned, the second rule is is knowing your quality of grain. We just discussed this, and then the third piece is knowing your cash flow needs. And I think that. Knowing your cost of production is, is a wintertime event, and um, you know there's various tools that are out there. The second piece is knowing some of the different uh, potential yield that you're going to have as you go through the growing season. So you know using using a tool like Climate Field View, you're going to see here's the potential that's looking you know it's potentially looking bigger than expected, maybe smaller than expected, and you're going to have to adjust your expectations within your your grain marketing plan accordingly. And, and this is also a function of, of understanding, okay, why am I contracting grain at harvest time at those harvest loads? Maybe it's because of storage issues. That's always a, a factor to consider. But I usually say, and I'm looking at the seasonal patterns, and, and I think about opportunities that exist at the end of May, early June, when that, those weather premiums start to get built into the market and we see some highs. These are, these are the times of year that I'm thinking about contracting from a cash grain perspective, looking to, to lock in some forward contracts and some forward selling um, on the cash side of things. And then instead of me selling off the combine at the lows in, at harvest time when all a lot of other grain is coming to market, I'm just filling my contracts and I'm being able to benefit from the highs usually seen. Now, some people, some listeners here will, will say, well, you know, I got X amount of price in 1998 or 2000 and, and, and 13 or something along those lines, right? But the, the point is that those years tend to be anomalies and asterisks, if you will, to the, the, the broader scheme of things. And so I'm a big fan of playing the law of averages. What is it most likely to do? What is your yield most likely to be? But again, you have these different tools that kind of feel view to, to showcase, and, hey, this is what the potential is looking like right now. But um, more importantly, thinking about locking in a profit when you can, not when you have to. We, we live in a, a globalized economy more than ever. And being able to confirm that you're going to have a, a green number on that sale relative to your cost of production in terms of that, yes, I'm making a profit here. That's probably the, the most important thing. And so, again, I think about seasonality. I think about you know, on top of what the yield potential looks like during the growing season. I think about cash flow. And I think about I think about that cost of production. Where is my bottom line that I can go in terms of making sure I'm making a profit? 
So you talked about two of the three rules. I mean, we, we've got to come back to these three rules because it seems like these are these are a nice takeaway for folks to keep in mind. How did you arrive at the three rules, and you know what what are some simple ways for for our listeners to be able to to take action against them? Well, the first is, is, is kind of mentioned the, the winter activities of knowing your cost of production, and th- this can be um, you know just putting pencil to paper. Um, there are various programs, Excel spreadsheets, a couple different digital tools that are out there today. Some of which are are, are climate partners um, like Farm Lead. We don't technically offer a cost of production tool by any means, just to make that clear. But I think it's very important to do so, and and understanding as well. This is a variability potentially look like. Maybe I need to to do an extra application of fungicide or, or, or spray something down, or, or maybe we need to pop dress a little bit more, right? Accounts for some of those variables with a, another column that's plus 5% in that cost or plus 10% in that cost, or maybe it's minus 5% or minus 10% in that cost. So knowing that cost of production up front is an important one. I like to say know it not only per acre, but potentially also per bushel in terms of what you expect to yield. So if I, if I know that I've averaged uh, let's just say 150 bushels an acre for the last couple of years, I'm going to probably use that as my benchmark. And plus 10% to that is obviously 165 bushels minus 10% is 135 bushels, right? So trying to understand exactly where this fits in the range is important. When it comes to that that rule number two, knowing your quality, this is a function of, of you just being on top of things and, and sending in samples, again, as it relates to the, the milling quality cereals, Sending it away for independent testing, or if you're using a, a monitoring system, understanding exactly, hey, what does my, my temperature look like? What's the moisture looking like? So you're selling that grain at an optimal weight. And then the third piece is understanding that cash flow position. If I've got bills coming due at harvest, yeah, I'm going to be in a pressure cooker to, to make sure I'm making sales and, and being able to pay off the bills that I got. Whereas if I'm for contracting, I'm already confirmed that I'm, I'm going to be able to, to lock in a bit of a profit. Even if there are some chances, quality issues or whatnot that arise, the likelihood that you've locked in a good price is still pretty high and you're going to be able to deliver on at least something. So, um, and then as you, as you think about throughout the, the rest of the winter and, and kind of off season, you're, you're being cognizant of, of different bills at different times and just being, being aware. And, you know, specifically for some farmers are, that, that we talk to and, and deal with, we, we tell them, hey, set a calendar reminder every year that on the first of the quarter, October 1st, January 2nd, because you're probably not maybe feeling all that great on January 1st, uh, April 1st, it's not, it's not an April Fool's Day joke, but you're, you're setting a reminder to yourself is like, hey, review what the cash flow situation is. If, you're lean, if you need to lean on the partners that you have, be it your accountant, your banker, your tax person, whoever it might be, point is leverage these experts and their expertise to help make your life easier on the farm. We're really good at a few jobs on the farm, you know, maybe it being soil health, plant science, maybe a mechanic and, and building things up. But I think as farmers, we tend to be a little bit too prideful that we can do it all. And from a hockey standpoint, I leveraged my teammates every single shift I went out there. Practices in a dressing room. You leverage these teammates to make yourself better and you, you potentially make them better as well. And so I think that ultimately farming is a team sport. We, you've got different people that support your agronomists, accountants, insurance people, equipment dealers, so on and so forth. And, and leveraging these people to the best of their ability and their expertise is a really important thing to do. And these three rules of grain marketing, be it knowing your cost of production, again, work with your accountant on that, 
knowing your quality, work with an independent seed lab, uh, and knowing your cash flow position, working with your banker or, or, or accountant. Those are things that can be essentially offloaded to somebody else who you, you can count on to do their job. And, you know, there's obviously other pieces of that puzzle that go into just, you know, building a, a, a farm and making it profitable and, and different digital tools like Climate Field View or the Farm Lead and, and Combine Marketplace. And ultimately, though, that uh, we can only control so many things. And so there's nothing wrong with so-called outsourcing some of it to the people that, who are experts in these fields. Hey, teamwork is a key to success, right? And speaking of teamwork, you know, FieldView and, and FarmLead have really partnered here. And one of the benefits of that partnership is that FieldView customers are, are getting commentary on corn and soy markets directly from you personally. So for those, uh, those of our listeners that may not have seen those insights yet, what types of things are you telling the FieldView community about? Yeah, so I, I write a uh, daily commentary called the Farmlead Breakfast Brief that, that often gets summarized into to newsletters that go to the climate readers. But I'm talking not necessarily about whether or not the market moved one cent or half a penny or anything like that. I'm, I'm thinking about what are some of the bigger implications? Intuitively, I'm probably long the market because I've got grain in storage. Maybe I'm hedged a certain way or another, but because I've got grain in the bin, I'm long the market intuitively, right? And so I'm thinking about some of the bigger items. What are the likelihood of the trade war? What are the implications of waiting it out and thinking about some of the things that, like the South American production cycle, how does that factor into potentially my selling cadence? Um, some of these seasonality swings. Right now, for example, we have some really, really strong basis opportunities, not necessarily just for nearby movement, but for also down the road. These are opportunities that I want to think about as, hey, where does this compare to years past? Where was it a year ago? Where was it maybe a five-year average? These and, and providing visual charts to kind of give you an idea of, hey, this is actually, prices are pretty good relative to where they've been, or basis levels are pretty good relative to where we've been. And kind of pushing out that memory beyond kind of that short-term thinking, or what was it a week ago? What was it a month ago? How does it compare year over year? How does it compare to the seasonal average? Those are things that I think are important. And sometimes in the rush and hustle and bustle of the day-to-day on the farm, running the kids around, et cetera, et cetera, it's easy to forget some of these intangible data points. So um, I'm talking about some of the bigger pictures, and I'm not necessarily going to talk about corn and soybeans every single day. I'm talking about wheat. I'm talking about other feed grains. I'm talking about substitution effects. So if corn comes too high, well, you might see trying to buy more feed peas or feed barley or if soybean production issues in South America are a function, well, there's substitution effects by where the major importers are going to buy from instead, right? So trying to be a little bit more proactive, have a, a, a longer view and foresight into what's happening in the market or potentially what's going to move the market. So a, a little bit more of a macro perspective. And I can tell you that I started writing it because I, I wanted to articulate to my family and friends, hey, these are, these are some of the bigger picture items that we need to be thinking about. We shouldn't necessarily just be looking through our, our back window, or our front window, or out outside of our own yard, because there's more than just what's happening locally in, again, this globalized market. So uh, the, the Family Breakfast Brief is available for free. And again, you get some of these insights in, in the newsletters from Climate. Um, we have just, just over 55,000 readers to it globally now. So we think that we have a pretty good audience, I would say. And, and you know, what I'm talking about seems to resonate a little bit and how I talk about it, it, it seems to be working. But 
at the same time, I, I want to stress that my voice is one. I have an opinion. I think it's important to have one or two others, so a total of two to three. And just think, you know, make sure that you're getting a couple of different perspectives. Because if you get yourself in an echo chamber, you know, that's where some disastrous results can happen. It's important to have different perspectives in order to, to make the best decision for your, your operation and your family. You know, all the data today, the different perspectives, the different tools that are out there, it's, it's a turbulent time in agriculture as we continue to add more and more digital tools. What should you be looking for in a digital tool and, and how that can help your operation? Well, one of the first questions that intuitively comes to mind is usually the cost. What does it cost me, right? And I think that's an important question to ask, but it's not necessarily the first and most important question. I think the most important question that you need to ask is, how does this tool for my farm make me better? I'm thinking about, hey, I'm not very good at, at scouting, or I'm not very good at predicting yield, or I'm not very good at, be, at being in touch with my grain trading partners that I want to do business with and, and make sure that I'm top of mind for them. Um, I'm not very good at, at driving straight in the field, potentially, and, and how, how much of a godsend GPS has been for many of us, right? You know, thinking about some of these different jobs that need to be done on the farm and how different tools can, can make that, that job easier. The second is, can it potentially reward me in some respects? Am I going to get a return on this investment? Again, this is where this cost piece comes into the puzzle. But is it a 1x return? Is it a 2x return? Is it a 3x return? Maybe asking questions like, how does this tool or how do these digital tools help me in maybe a bad year? What about in a really good year? Does it augment that return on investment potentially in a really good year? Um, so, so we're thinking about some of these different questions whenever we look at a, a trialing a new tool or trying something out that's maybe different than we've done. And, and it also applies to non-digital tools. Maybe it's a new variety. Maybe it's um, working with a new, new partner of some sort. I've I, I mentioned outsourcing some of the jobs to be done to people who are experts in the field that you're not the expert in. And, and so I think at the end of the day, thinking about what are you really good at? And this is a really healthy exercise to write out, hey, these are the top three, top five things that I'm really good at. These are the three or four, four or five things that I'm not very good at. And, and, and work on trying to find people to help you with those things that you're not necessarily the best at. And, and maybe you are good at it, but you just don't have time for it, right? So outsourcing it. And there are different digital tools for some of these things. Sometimes it involves bringing somebody else in or outsourcing it to a professional, but at the end of the day, it comes down to focusing on, hey, am I good at this or not? If I'm not, how do, are there tools that I can use? And if there's a cost, trying to f- factor in that to, to the cost of, of production, which again, num- number one rule in my uh, three rules of grain marketing. Hey, just changing gears uh, for a moment here. You know, you've you've been a strong representative for for farmers out in the business sector, well beyond agriculture. What have you been up to that's been telling the story of farmers to uh, to the broader audience out there in uh, in the consumer world? Yes, it's. it's I, I do live in an interesting kind of position between the business world and 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 the consumer world and the the farmers. Obviously, you know, rarely do I jump on a flight, which seems to be almost weekly, where somebody's asking me, "What do you do? Where do you live?" sort of thing, and. And I talk about farming and, and, and literally half the time somebody's talking about, oh, it's terrible how much chemical you guys are putting on the crop and stuff. I have to educate people and I'm happy to do this one-on-one that essentially the, the amount of chemical, we'll just use glyphosate as an example, that we're putting onto our field is the equivalent of 
one third of a drop per square foot or the equivalent of, of, of about a symbol per football field. Right. And, and to just have somebody speak to them in those terms are important. Now, if I, if I take kind of the next level, participating in different conferences, most recently I was at a, at a food policy conference in Ottawa, Canada, and, and not only talking about the different pieces and the challenges that farmers have in terms of, hey, this is how my farm operates. We consider ourselves to be sustainable. If we weren't sustainable, you know, why are we producing more with less, right? But, but also thinking about not necessarily the challenge that we're facing today, but what about the future? Right? Some, some recent statistics have come out that, that talk about farmland ownership change over the next decade to 15 years. Something like 40 to 60% of farmland in the U.S. and Canada is going to be passed down to the next generation over that time frame. And so are we developing policies at a government level, be it you know, provincial, state, or federal, that are catering to today's problems? Or what about the problems that are going to be faced by three, five years from now? And again, my generation, those born in the late 80s, early 90s, are taking over these farms. And the, the, we're using these digital tools. And so how potentially can some of the different digital tools out there support you know, a national or even uh, binational policy in terms of how agriculture is not only kind of previewed or looked at from a consumer level standpoint, but, but how do also some of our trading partners internationally think about things? And so you know, navigating these murky waters between domestic consumer needs and first world needs versus third world country needs where calories is really the only important thing. And also, also understanding you know, how does this equate back to the farm level? So you know, I, I'm involved in a lot of different, different initiatives in, in terms of helping bring and more, more light or, or, or shed more visibility on, on some of the great things that farmers do for this land. And probably the, the point that I leave the most with, whether it be a legislature person or a governmental individual, individual or, or even at, at, at a food company, what were to happen if the number of farmers out there were to suddenly drop? I mean, we've seen this decline over the last number of decades of, uh, of the number of family farms. And I'm speaking specifically to grain oil seeds and pulses the farms that I know best, the types of crops that I know best. And, and the reality is that part of the reason I started FarmLead is that I wanted to create a little bit more equal playing field to, for, for, for some of those maybe smaller players or people that are not, again, very good at grain marketing to stay on top of things and leverage that tool to be potentially better so that they can find that best possible deal and think about being able to farm the next year and the year after that and the year after that. Because um, I think that, that ultimately... We have to thank a farmer multiple times a day and for multiple different services. We tend to lose that. And, and so it would be a shame if we ignore that today and a decade from now or two decades from now, the number of family farms that were actually operating was 20% less or 30% less or half percent, right? I think that um, there, there's a lot of opportunity for us to promote our stories in agriculture and, and ultimately how we are stewards of the land. And, and I'm I'm glad to be an ambassador for not just uh, obviously agriculture here in North America, but internationally and, 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 and being a, a leader, kind of the, we'll say as an independent, so to speak, um, in, in, the, in the broader spectrum of things. 
it's really important today is is more and more people are further and further away from the farm and from food production to tell that story. And it's great that you're able to get that out through through so many different mediums to so many different audiences and and really advocate on behalf of of farmers here in North America and and even globally as we think about some of the needs that that we have in the industry. So hey, we're we're coming up on uh, on the end of the episode here, but I, I do have one last question for you. Hey, what can farmers expect next from FarmLead? What's what's coming down the pipe? Well, hey, we're we're a product first company, and so we're always looking for feedback. And some of the feedback that we've been getting is asking for more ways to showcase how I produce grain on my farm or how do I run my operation. Things like sustainability metrics, potentially. You know, these are questions that we're kind of seeing more and more. You could argue that they're coming more directly from consumers, but we have an open API with our new product combine, again, spelt with the Y, that if you're a, a uh, pre-harvest technical solution, so a precision ag company or a farm management system, and you want to surface up or you want to help surface up that, that farmer's information to the market, um, we think that's important. We are we are really good at what we do in terms of helping make the market and showcase the different characteristics that are out there. And I don't think that it should matter necessarily what color your equipment is or what type of seed hybrids you're using this year. I want to be able to showcase, hey, you are, I want to help you showcase that you're a good farmer. These are the different tools that you use to make your operation better and to showcase some of these different, we'll say, non-traditional characteristics of, of production methods. Um, or, or, or grain marketing materials to the buyer side. And on the flip side, if you do do a deal, be able to push this information back to your farm management system or on the flip side, if you're a buyer, up to your contracting tool. There's really three pieces to a cash grain trade. It's a prospecting of the deal and the negotiation of that deal and the execution of that deal. Our goal at Farmly is to make the prospecting and negotiation part of that puzzle really, really simple. And if you want to include things like how you're producing the grain on your farm, how you're storing the grain on your farm, we want to be able to, to, to promote that as well. And I can tell you that, again, after, after $2 billion of grain successfully negotiated through our platforms and, and over 2 million log events of, of buyers and sellers going back and forth with each other, there is more of this happening. And so we've built an open API to, to partner with existing players who are really good at their function, be it helping with managing the farm digitally or being on top of things in terms of precision agriculture standpoint, we want to be able to work with those companies. And, and so we have this open API that uh, we'll be releasing fairly soon here. Pretty excited about it. Got a couple of trial partners already on it. And, um, you know, just ultimately trying to continue to improve. And, and um, that's, as I, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, continuous improvement, trying to build, trying to grow, trying to be creative. That's what we're all about. But Ultimately, we, we wouldn't do it without farmers. We wouldn't do it without grain buyers. And so we're constantly looking for that feedback. And so we'd love to, to hear from you. And, and uh, there's various ways that you can get a hold of us at farmly.com or combine.egg. And uh, we, we hope to uh, be working with you soon. Brennan, it's been a ton of great information and exciting things ahead in the future for FarmLead. I walk away with your three rules now tattooed across my forehead. Know your cost of production, know your grain quality, know your cash flow needs, 
answer these questions, stay on top of it, leverage those digital tools, reach out to your peers in the industry, make sure you've got those key voices around you. It's been an amazing discussion today. Thanks so much for taking the time to uh, to chat with us around the farm. Hey, it's been my pleasure and uh, best of luck for those not finished up yet and uh, hopefully you get done soon. Hey, I want to take this moment to, to thank our listeners that, uh, that tune in when we drop these new podcasts. Your support is always appreciated. This has been Around the Farm, brought to you by Climate Field View. Don't miss any of our previous episodes. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever else you want to get your podcasts. And you can find our episodes at www.climate.com. Hey, our best ideas come from you, so radio in with your thoughts and comments. You can find us on Twitter, look for the FieldView handle, and hit us with hashtag FieldViewATF so that we can find your tweet and we'll answer your questions in upcoming episodes. And speaking of feedback, please take a moment. We wouldn't say no to a five-star review. In fact, we'd invite them. It's been a blast, and as always, we'll see you around the farm. 